0: When we started this podcast, we were keen to make sure that the voices of Indian adoptees were heard. While the taboo of adoption still exists, it is being broken slowly and steadily by many parents out there who advocate for adoption as a way to making a family. But not a lot of adoptees journeys are out there. So, we felt that this series would not be complete without these voices. In this episode, we spoke with two adoptees with varied life experiences.
1: Welcome to Dear Pari, a groundbreaking podcast series presenting facts, busting myths, and tackling stigma around adoption. It will bring to you varied viewpoints from adoptees, parents, adoption experts and government officials. This podcast is being brought to you by Suno India, a podcast platform for issues that matter.
0: The first story that you will hear is that of Eshita. 26 year old Eshita is from Delhi and currently lives in the US.
2: I was adopted when I was uh, two and a half. I don't remember anything from that time of my life, but yes, my parents told me the story about how I was adopted. They had my brother, who's a biological child, and they wanted a daughter, so they did not want to go through the biological routes. So they decided to adopt. I was actually born in Rotak, and uh, I was taken in by an orphanage in a small uh, town near Ambala. I think I came home on 3rd of March, 93, so that's my homecoming, and we celebrate that every year. I've had a pretty normal journey, I would say, because I've had fights with parents, fights with brothers, and I grew up in a, <laughs> the most normal kind of ways. And I remember my mom telling me that when, um, you know, I came into the house, I didn't, you know, express myself much. So I was... I didn't speak much, didn't say anything but I used to smile and when I was with my brother I used to laugh a lot and he used to say that come mama see she's laughing and then as soon as my mom or dad used to enter the room I used to stop laughing <laughs> because uh, you know I was more comfortable with my brother and I think after a few months I warmed up to everybody and then it's been pretty normal after that. My parents most important people in my life and my brother we have we have secrets that we don't share with anybody else but we have our own sort of grossest code that you know uh, like all normal been a pretty uh normal journey for me uh, for me my parents are my parents i don't uh you know categorize them that hey, these are my adopted parents and i have biological parents that i want to go back to or you know just meet them or some i know some uh adoptees have that curiosity and it, that's great if you if you find peace in that if you want to go back find out that's great it's just not me i am I am not curious. I am happy with all the information I have right now and I'm at, I'm at peace with it. In the initial years, she told us
1: being adopted made no difference to her sense of identity. But it was only later when her parents were looking for a partner, did she realize how being adopted was still a label and not
2: the norm. So I think by when the time came when, you know, we were looking uh, that I was looking to get married and uh, we had put on the uh, online matrimonial profile for me. And I was very clear from the beginning that I will tell whichever family I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with them that, you know, I'm adopted. So that is when my bubble broke because then I realized that it's not normal for them. For people, uh, you know, if they're seeing that, okay, this girl is going to marry our son, they're like, oh, they're a little hesitant. And, you know, it's a sort of a taboo in India that, you know, she's adopted or he's adopted. And that's when I got a lot of questions. I'm like, really, people think this way? Because I I never experienced that before. They'll ask random questions. Like, you know, they thought that something is uh, abnormal about me and that is why I'm adopted. I think that is not the case. I'm a pretty normal child. Uh, One of the questions that my mom was asked was that, were you having difficulty getting pregnant? That is why you adopted? And my mom was like, no, that was a choice that uh, me and my husband made that we wanted a daughter. And that is why we adopted. So it, it was very hard for them to believe that somebody would do this out of choice, that Oh, you could get pregnant, but still you did not have a biological child? That is weird. Why would you not want your own blood? So they're like, in the end, she's not your blood. She's as much as our child, like our biological child, right? So the difficult part was for, uh, to explain to them that we are as much as a family as you are. I met my husband and he was obviously he's very accepting. His family was very accepting. That gave me a sense of trust, you know, that if they accept, the adoption aspect of my life they will accept other aspects of my life
0: as well like we mentioned in the earlier episodes lot of families in india are scared to disclose to their children that they are adopted the fear or reluctance stems from the stigma and stereotypes linked to adoption we asked Deshita, as an adoptee what she feels about this
2: might sound a little harsh, but I think that's the worst that you can do to a child. Like if, you know, if I'm growing up thinking that I'm somebody and then suddenly one fine day somebody tells you, oh, you are not this, you're actually this. I would be blown. Parents are the person you trust the most in the entire world. I think that you should tell the child from the very beginning. I was told via books. Uh, You know, meeting other families or like platforms like the one like you have and, uh, you know, people meeting other people, meeting other adoptees. So I was always made aware of it. It was never hidden from my brother or from me. So I think definitely, definitely. Disclose to your child that he is he or she is adopted because uh, they will become comfortable if you are comfortable. If you if you tell them at a later stage in life, they'll question that. Were you not comfortable for all these years? Were you testing me or something? You know, anything can come to their mind. So I think you should definitely disclose it. We
1: then asked her how her parents handled questions on her birth story. She said the key to these conversations was honesty and it was about constantly being open about her journey.
2: I think mummy papa were always very honest about everything even if I had questions about you know where I was born and where I was. They actually took me to the orphanage when I was I think in 8th standard. And I met my caretaker there. I did not remember anything, but you know, that is a part of me and it will always be a part of me. So it was nice to go and see where I was living for two years and who all took care of me. So they were on that journey with me. They were like, if you, if you think you'll be more comfortable, they asked me beforehand, do you want to go to the, back to the orphanage? I was like, yeah, I want to go check it out and uh, see how it is. Even if I had questions, they were, always honest about it, always open to it. They never said, you can't ask this question or when you grow up, we'll tell you or something like that. They knew that this is my level of understanding and this is how we should tell her that this is what it is and never hide anything from me. So I think if your child asks you a question, even if you think that child is not ready for it you can still you know try to make him understand the best you can just don't lie about it or say that you know this is not an important part of your life or this is not important right now so th- then the child will get a feeling that oh you do not care about me even you know it's an important thing in my life so why is it not important to you so so I think mummy, papa were always honest always open to any questions I had always open to uh, you know, always ask my permission before they—they they even wanted to disclose it to anybody. I used to always ask me before if he, like, he wanted to tell any of his friends or somebody or the other he was close to.
1: Some people adopt out of choice, some because they're unable to conceive and have a desire for a child. And then there are those who adopt for reasons beyond these. We spoke to a 40-year-old adoptee who believes that she was adopted for the sole reason of fulfilling her mother's need for attention and love from her father. Since she doesn't wish to disclose her identity, for the purpose of this podcast, we are calling her Kavita. Kavita was adopted when she was a 9-month or 10-month-old baby and taken to another country. While she was growing up, it wasn't disclosed to her that she was adopted and it was only when her family shifted to India was it mentioned by a cousin. She was repeatedly lied to about this by her parents. We warn you that parts of her story are disturbing, so please take this as a trigger warning from us.
3: My journey is a little complex because it basically started in when I was abroad. Uh, where I was taken after adoption. No one told me anything. But later, when we did shift to India permanently, cousin mentioned to me, after which there was another person who uh, had some problem with my parents. So basically there was a tiff between them and she screamed out to me I hope you know that you're adopted when I questioned my parents they said no she's lying later in my teens my so-called mom decided to make up a story for some weird reason and I'm a very logical person so I didn't see the reason for her making up the story of why uh, and how I was born Claiming that I was premature, then she says uh, your birth took place in a
0: toilet early morning, and a uh, lot of lot of things that really didn't make
3: sense. Through Facebook, I did connect with an old classmate of mine from the country I was in, uh, in during my childhood, and she said, "Do you remember when you were in second standard, you told the teacher?" That your parents, uh, you know, beat you a lot and uh, that you were a doctor and the teacher being an Indian. Uh, she just shushed me and told me, shut up and go and sit in your place and don't ever talk about this. So I never really got a clear picture. It is only when I started questioning people, like the people close to my mother about uh, you know, who I really am and stuff like that. Um, I found out that, yes, uh, there were a lot of cracks in her story. And that's when I started, you know, investigating on my own, piecing the stuff together. And the biggest uh, red flag, I can say, is the address on my birth certificate, which is for an ashram in Mumbai. And yeah, of course, I need to point out here, I wasn't treated like... They are blood. They used to fight and I used to get beaten up for some reason. can give you some examples. Uh, A piece of strip of wood was taken, a a fat, uh, maybe two-inch thick strip of wood, long, maybe two feet long. Rock salt was put on it and I was made to kneel on that for maybe four to six hours. And then I had to stand up without falling down. If I fell down, I would be beaten again. I would be beaten with belts, leather belts. Till the buckle didn't fly off of the belt. When that was done, then wood hangers would be used to beat me. And and they used to beat me again to stop crying. And then a point came in my life when I really stopped crying and I used to just count the beatings. The family on my father's side uh, never treated me like their own or as their own. They used to call me a local name, which means adoptee, adopted. Uh, adoptee in uh, the local language and and, and this battle was when property was refused to my father saying that I am dirty blood so he didn't get his ancestral property because of me because I, I was dirty blood
0: Kavita told us that she wondered all her life if it was because she was adopted that she was mistreated or if their own biological child too would have had to suffer the same fate
3: Uh, Yes, uh, my father was not at all ready for me. He was right to, about who I am, from where I came and all that, for my mother's ulterior motives. So he wasn't ready for a child, he wasn't ready to marry her. So I was kind of pushed on him. Uh, She uh, has even said this to me with her own mouth. I never gave you bath. I never took care of you. I never dressed you up. I never hugged you. I never kissed you. I never cuddled you. I made your father do it so that by loving you, he would start loving me. Initially, I do remember far back to when I was maybe four or five, that yes, they used to fight. They used to hit each other. And when they couldn't hit each other anymore, they would start hitting me. At that time, I didn't understand. I always thought I did something wrong. Uh, I was always told, you're too short, you're too dark, you're too sad, you're too ugly, your voice is bad. Uh, Look at the other children, look at this one, look at that one. They're all better than you, you are worthless, you are nothing. So, you know, um, I don't know whether he would have done it to his own child.
0: Kavita told us another shocking incident in her life. When we heard that... We couldn't comprehend how parents can do something like this to a child.
3: It was maybe Christmas or New Year. So somebody came with a box of quality balls, chocolate. So yes, I didn't touch it for around two weeks or so. And one day, you know, the temptation got the better of me. I opened it up, took two chocolates out of it and hid it under my pillow. Unfortunately, my mom came to dust my bed. She discovered the chocolates and she started thrashing me. I was alone in the house with my mother. And she started crushing me and hitting me. She started banging me on the wall. She, uh, She had my hair in her hand and she was banging me on the wall. All of a sudden, she threw me down. She had her foot, her leg on my chest. She put her whole body weight on my chest. She took her hand. She covered my nose, covered my mouth, started choking me and said, I don't need you anymore. Well, I got what I wanted uh, uh, in my life, so I don't care whether you live or die. And I, I just remember that I couldn't breathe, I could just see black.
1: Fortunately for Kavita, the building manager of the apartment block rang the bell just then, and she says that this bell saved her life. Kavita continues to struggle with her identity. Not just as an adoptee, but also in terms of the culture she was initially raised in and the one that she now had to embrace in India.
3: My identity, uh, I was taken to this other country when I was a kid. I was born and, I'm not sorry, not born, I was brought up with uh, the the no-homes of that country. There was not too much tradition, there was not too much culture to worry about and I was comfortable there. I was basically there. I was known as an Indian living in this country. Everything was fine. But after coming here, uh, I didn't know the local language of the state I was taken to. So I had a problem because nobody wanted to talk to me. They used to call me the madam or hi-fi foreigner and all that stuff. Uh, So nobody wanted to talk to me. So again, when I came here in school... And throughout college, I didn't have friends. Uh, I used to uh, hurt myself. There were many attempts of suicide. Maybe now I'm working on it. So yes, it's it's a struggle. A very big internal struggle. But I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think anyone should take the trouble of loving me. I don't think anyone would even want to be my friend. I don't... Feel loved, I don't feel needed. Yeah, I also believe, uh, you know, that whatever I do is not right, I cannot say no. And this has been a very, very bad thing for me because as a teenager, I was a mess because I couldn't say no. So it's easier for people to pretend that you are a bad person. Okay, uh, only to serve themselves of the guilt of the things that they did to you. And I believe this. My parents always told me I was a bad one. I was bad. I was worthless. I was ugly. I didn't have a good voice. I I'm not good enough. And today I realize that they keep they said that to me because they wanted to cover up the wrong they did to me. I mean even on her deathbed i went and asked her you're going now tell me the truth at least get it off your chest before you leave but she refused she just shut her mouth and turned her face as in i'm not going to tell you i'm going to take the secret of why i brought you how i brought you from where i brought you to the grave you know so yeah i i, I don't know i'm i'm psychologically struggling Uh, With with who I am, my identity, I mean, as I said, I told you earlier when we had uh, spoken uh, over here, it is like, you know, uh, state-wise, you are recognized state-wise, not so much as overall being an Indian. And that is a problem for me because I don't know for which state I belong to. So when people ask me, oh, and it's quite natural. I mean, you meet a normal person who's had a normal upbringing. Hey, hi, how are you? I'm so-and-so. Oh, nice to meet you, so-and-so. And, And, okay, so where are you from? That's the first, next question. And I'm like, huh? I'm an Indian. I'm from India. No, 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 but which state? And I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say.
0: Kavitha strongly believes and advocates for mandatory psychological evaluation of parents before a child is put up for adoption. This is something that Saras Bhaskar, the adoption counsellor we spoke to in our previous episode felt that this should be done too. Only last year after the tragic death of Sharon Matthews did the government of India make psychological evaluation mandatory in inter-country adoptions. In domestic adoptions. Pre-adoption counselling is suggested but not mandatory.
3: First and foremost believe, even before a person is allowed to adopt, a psychological evaluation has to be done. A massive psychological investigation on that couple. And if any behavioural imbalances are noticed, that couple should not be given a child. And if any couple is given a child, and if that child is abused, that couple needs to be in jail. Because you cannot, you have no right to do anything except love another person's child. You cannot hit them, you cannot hurt them, you cannot hate them. If you can't love them, please give them back. I don't want this on any other child. Inter-country adoption should never happen. I mean, look at the case of that kid, Shireen Matthews, in US. It's not justified. Not justified at all. Kavita is
1: searching for her birth parents. But all she has to support her search is one birth certificate, which points to an ashram in another city in Maharashtra. People who were in the know of her adoption have told her that she was probably brought from another state before she was in this ashram for Kavita her birth story is something that has become all consuming and she's scared that her biological parents might be dead so far she has had no support from kara for this root search
3: i would love to at least meet one of them and just get the answer to one question that is really bothering me is was i robbed from them or did they give me up if i was snatched away from my mother and she really didn't know and she was really worried about me, then I I think I take whatever happened to me as uh, something that was supposed to happen. I won't say destiny or fate, uh, but I would say it was supposed to happen to me. Uh, But yeah, if they made a decision to give me up for a better life, then they need to know how good my life was because they had no right to do that.
0: We would like to thank Ashita and Kavita for sharing their stories with us. Adoption is complex. We agree that psychological evaluation must be made mandatory not just for inter-country adoptions but even within India. But we are also aware of the lack of skilled manpower to carry out such an evaluation in India. So comes the dilemma. Do we, as parents and those seeking better lives for children, ask for better systems in place, which may increase the wait time, or do we think about getting children out of institutional care and into families, sometimes families who may not even be right for the children? We don't have an answer to this question, and we only hope that through this podcast, we initiate a discussion around it.
1: These two stories are very stark. In Eshita's story, she was informed about her adoption in an age-appropriate manner, giving her time to process and understand what it meant for her. In Kavita's case, the truth about her adoption was revealed to her by others and not her own parents. She was lied to repeatedly and worse, abused, leaving her hurt and confused, which has had a long-lasting impact on her life. Despite their different experiences, both Eshita and Kavita had only one thing to say about disclosure – Don't hide it from your children. In our next episode, we will be talking about why and how to disclose to your child about adoption. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dear Pari. You can send in your comments or voice notes to hello at sunoindia.in. Also, we are partnering with The Logical Indian to raise awareness about adoption. If you would like to contribute, please let us know. You can reach out to Suno India via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. As independent producers, we rely a lot on your support to spread the word. If you like our podcast, please take the time and let your friends and family know about it.
0: We also welcome you to subscribe for free on our website, sunoindia.in. Subscribers will receive the episodes as soon as they are released and will also have access to bonus tracks in the coming days. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or any other podcasting app of your choice.
1: We would like to thank Nikhil Rao of Indian Ocean for original music, Priyanka Kumar for artwork, Tarun Nirvan our digital lead, and Kunika Balhotra, our communication officer, for their support.